0: are listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria of if you would like to discuss today's reading you can do so at the facebook page mystical city of god in a year group there you can interact with other readers and listeners let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 128. We are reading from volume 2. Book 3, Chapter 25, Paragraphs 314-321 to 321. Chapter 25 The Journey of Most Holy Mary from the House of Zechariah to her home in Nazareth, 314 Returning from the town of Judah to Nazareth, the Most Holy Mary, the living tabernacle of God, pursued her way through the mountains of Judea in the company of her most faithful spouse, St. Joseph. Although the evangelists do not make mention of any haste in this journey homeward, such as is recorded by St. Luke and occasioned by the special mystery connected with it, yet the great princess made also this return journey with great expediency on account of all the events which awaited her at home. All the journeys of this heavenly lady were a mystical counterpart of her spiritual and interior advances, for she was the true tabernacle of the Lord, which was to find no definite resting place in this mortal pilgrimage, on the contrary, progressing daily from one stage to another and to higher condition of wisdom and grace. She continually pushed forward on her pilgrimage to the promised land, Numbers 789, and she bore continually with her on her journey the true propitiatory when she drew ceaseless increase of her gifts and acquired for us eternal salvation. The great queen and St. Joseph, again, consumed four days in their return journey as they had done on their coming. On the way, they maintained the same divine conversations, and they experienced events similar to those already mentioned in chapter 16. In the ordinary practices of humility in which they vied with each other, our queen always came out victorious, except when St. Joseph called obedience to his aid, because she considered obedience the greater humility. As she was already in her third month of pregnancy, she was more attentive and careful in her journey. Not that her pregnancy caused her any difficulties, for it was on the contrary a most sweet alleviation of any hardships. But this careful and prudent mother was filled with the consciousness of her treasure, for she beheld every day the natural growth of the body of her Most Holy Son in her virginal womb. Notwithstanding the ease and lightness of her pregnancy, she nevertheless was subject to the exertion and the fatigue of the journey, for the Sovereign Lady made no use of her privileges to diminish her sufferings, but she gave free scope to the fatigues and inconveniences of travel, in order to be in all things our teacher, and the faithful image of her most holy Son. 3.16 As the divine fruit of her womb was naturally... Of the most perfect growth, and as she was herself of the most comely and well-proportioned shape, without any defect, whatever it was natural that her condition should be noticeable, and she knew that it would be impossible to conceal it much longer from her husband, already she began to look upon him with greater tenderness and compassion in view of the shock which his love would feel unnoticing her condition. Gladly would she have turned it aside if she had known that such was the will of God. But the Lord gave her no intimation of his will in these anxious thoughts, for he had ordained that the event should come about in such a way to increase his glory and the merits both of St. Joseph and of the Virgin Mother. Nevertheless, the great lady besought his majesty to fill the heart of her spouse with patience and wisdom and to assist him with grace that he might act in this conjuncture according to the divine pleasure. For she was convinced that would occasion him great grief to see her pregnant. 3.17. In the course of the journey, the mistress of the world performed some wonderful works, although always in secret. It happened that when they arrived at a place not far from Jerusalem, some people from another town came to the same hostelry. They brought with them a young woman seeking a cure for her sickness in the larger and more populous city. She was known to be very sick, but no one knew what her sickness was or the cause of it. The woman had lived a very virtuous life. On this account, the enemy who knew her character and her advanced virtues began to direct his attacks, especially against her, as he always does against the friends of God, since he considers them his own enemies." He caused her to commit some sins, and in order to force her from one abyss into another, he tempted her with despondent thoughts and disorderly grief at her fall. Having thus upset her judgment, this dragon found entrance into her body, and now he, with many other demons, had possession of her. I have already said in the first part that the infernal dragon, when he saw in heaven the woman clothed with the sun, Apocalypse 12.1, conceived a great wrath against all virtuous women. Of her progeny are all those that follow Mary, as may be judged from the same chapter of the Apocalypse. On this account he exhorted all his arrogance and tyranny in the possession of the body and soul of this afflicted woman. 3.18. The heavenly princess saw her in the tavern and knew of her affliction, which was unknown to the others. Moved by her motherly pity, she begged her most holy son to give health of body and soul to the unfortunate woman. Perceiving that the divine will was inclined to mercy, she used her power as queen and commanded the demons instantly to leave this creature, never to return. Moreover, she banished them to the infernal depths, their lawful and appropriate dwelling. This command of our great queen and lady was not given vocally, but mentally, in such a way as to be perceptible to the impure spirits. It was so powerful that Lucifer and his companions hastened to leave the body and hurl themselves into the infernal darkness. The fortunate woman was freed and seized with wonder at the unhoped-for delivery, and in her inmost heart she was drawn toward the most pure and holy lady. She looked upon her with a special veneration and love, thereby deserving two other favors— One was that she was filled with the most sincere sorrow for her sins, and the other that the evil effects or traces of the demonical possession under which she had suffered were effaced. She was aware that the mysterious stranger, whom she had so fortunately met on her way, was concerned in the heavenly blessing. She therefore spoke to her, and our queen answered with words that went straight into the heart. She exhorted her to perseverance and also merited it for her during the rest of her life. Her companions likewise recognized the miracle, but they attributed it to the promise of bringing her to the temple of Jerusalem and of offering some gift for her. This promise they fulfilled, praising God, but remaining ignorant of the source of their good fortune. 3.19 Vast and furious was the wrath of Lucifer when he found himself and his demons dispossessed, and cast out from their abode by the mere word of this woman Mary. Full of wrathful astonishment, he exclaimed, Who is this weak woman that commands us and oppresses us with so much power? What new surprise is this, and how can my pride stand it? We must hold a council and see how we can unite to destroy her, since I will say more of their doings in the next chapter. I leave them to their wrathful designs, Our pilgrims in the meanwhile came to another tavern, the master of which a man of bad habits and character, and as the beginning of his happiness, God ordained that he should receive most holy Mary and Joseph with good will and marks of kindness. He showed them more courtesy and good services than he was accustomed to show to others. In order to return his hospitality with still greater kindness, the great queen, who knew the sad state of his interior, prayed for him justifying his soul and causing him to change his life her prayers had also the effect of adding to his worldly possession for an account of the small favor done to his heavenly guests god increased them from time on many more miracles the mother of grace wrought in this journey for all her doings were divine canticle 4:13, and all who were of proper disposition were sanctified by meeting her They finished their journey at Nazareth, where the princess of heaven set her house in order and cleaned it with the assistance of her holy angels, for they vied with her in humility and were anxious to serve and honor her by taking part in these humble occupations. The holy Joseph applied himself to his ordinary daily work, providing for the sustenance of the queen, and his trusting heart was not deceived in her. Proverbs 31.11 She girded herself with new strength for the mysteries which she awaited, and she put forth her hands to the valiant deeds enjoying in her soul the undimmed vision of the treasure of her womb, and connected with it incomparable delights and blessings. Thus she continued to gain vast merits and made herself unspeakably pleasing to God. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 3.20 My daughter, the faithful souls and children of the Church, who know God must make no distinction of time, place, or occasions in the practice of faith and the other virtues connected with it. For God is present in all things and fills them with his infinite being. Jeremiah 23-24 And in all places and circumstances, faith will enable them to see and adore him in spirit and in truth. John 4:22. Just as preservation follows upon creation and as breathing follows upon life, And just as there is no intermission in the breathing, nourishment, and growth of man until the end is reached, so the rational creature, after having been regenerated by the faith of grace, must never interrupt the course of the spiritual life, continually pursuing works of life by faith, hope, and charity, in all places and at all times. James 2.26 on account of their forgetfulness and carelessness, the children of men, and especially the members of the church, possess the life of faith as if they had lost it, allowing it to die for want of charity. These are the ones who had received in vain their new soul, as David says, because they neglect it as if they had never obtained it. Psalm 23, 4. I desire, my dearest, that the spiritual life be just, as continual as thy natural life, Thou must continue to lead a life such as required by the grace and gifts of the Most High, believing and hoping in the Lord, loving, praising, and adoring Him in spirit and in truth. No matter what changes there may be in time, occupation, or place, He is in all things, and He wishes to be loved and served by all rational creatures. I therefore charge thee with whatever souls come to thee, full of this forgetfulness of their faults and harassed by the demons. Thou pray for them with lively faith and confidence." If the Lord does not always fulfill what thou desirest and what they ask, he will follow his own secret counsel, and thou wilt have pleased him by having acted as a true spouse and daughter. If thou faithfully followest my instructions, I assure thee that he will confer upon thee many special privileges for the benefit of souls. Consider what I did at the sight of souls displeasing to the Lord, and how zealously I worked for all, And for some, in particular, to imitate and oblige me, do thou likewise work and pray for those whose interior becomes known to thee through the Lord or through other means. Admonish them with prudence, humility, and resignation. For the Almighty does not desire thee to proceed noisily, nor that the results of thy labors be always manifest, but that they remain hidden. In this he conforms himself to thy naturally retiring disposition And to thy desires and he seeks what is most secure for thee and although thou must pray for all souls yet thou must pray more earnestly for those whom the divine will points out to thee this concludes our reading today for day number 128 in which we read from chapter 25 of volume 2 book 3 reading paragraphs 314 to 321 just as mary was able to intercede and change the direction of life for people on the way to the visitation, we hear in today's reading that she does it again on the way home, that she was able, by the divine power of God, by invoking the name of Jesus in her womb, to cast into hell Satan or Lucifer and these evil spirits that were possessing that individual. And then also aware of the other person in need, She prays to God for that person's deliverance, really for that conversion of life. One of the things I thought of as I was making my way through this reading was, what was it like for Mary as she became aware of these things? How did she know that she could simply invoke the name of God and these things would happen? How did she marvel at them after the fact, except to give thanks to God and perhaps echoing that song of praise she prayed with Elizabeth? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and literally cast down Satan from the throne of this person's life into the depths of the netherworld. What was it like for Mary as she had these experiences? Maria of connects it also to us, saying that we might become aware internally of someone's disposition that's before us, that God makes us aware. And so then we pray for that person. We pray for their deliverance. For these individuals in our reading, they weren't even aware of the fact that Mary was obtaining these things for them. They didn't go to her, but she notices and then they are delivered. And so maybe for us in that secrecy too, we notice someone in need and we really adopt them in prayer. And then we just sit and watch and see what God does in the life of that person. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.